0: All right, you guys, let's come on back. Kids, feel free. If you want to come down here, we've got a group of kids down here that if you want to sit with everybody, or multiple groups is fine. We are relaxed. All right, everybody's relaxed. Well, guys, if you're visiting us today, we've been journeying through the gospel of Mark, and we're in Mark chapter 6 today, and we have some gifted people in our church Um, and I've asked several of them to speak along as we've been going through this. And today Bree is going to be sharing (laughs) Mark six. Yeah. The other Bree is cheering for this Bree. Bree, what what, other Bree, why don't you come pray for this Bree before we start? Okay. I'll bring it to you. I'll come to you. All right. Hi, Bree. (laughs) I agree. <laughs> Father God, I pray for Brie right now. God, I pray God, you would give her God the words. God, you want her to speak. God, that we would have the ears to listen and the heart to receive. God, the words you're gonna have her preach. Father God, I pray God she would speak only what you want her to speak, and God that there would be an anointing over this word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. It's always exciting and very nerve wracking when Brian's like, "Hey." <laughs> Um, All right, if you would open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, that's where we are today. And there are so many amazing stories in Mark 6. I'm really excited to go through all of them with you. Um, And there's lots more verses that I'm going to share, but feel free to just stay on Mark chapter 6, and I'll have the other ones up on the screen. You can jot them down if you want to. Um, I'm going to pray one more time. Lord, just receive my um, inadequate gift, my loaves and fishes, Lord, and multiply it and make it into something amazing um, like only you can do in your perfect sufficiency, in your blessed holy name. Amen. All right, so we're going to start reading. Chapter 6, verse 1. He left there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is this wisdom that has been given to him, and how... Are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. He was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the villages teaching. Okay, so we start with this story about Jesus going to his hometown, and it's kind of sad because he gets there, and he preaches to them, and they're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who are We know you, you know? Um, we, we've seen you grow up. We know your family. We know you're not special, we know that your dad's just a carpenter. We know that you, you know, your mom may or may not have had you out of wedlock. You know, like they say, they, they call him the son of Mary. Um, it's, it's rude and it's, it's harsh and it's sad to hear them talk to Jesus that way, that they reject him that harshly. Um, his own family, you know what I mean? It's tough. I don't know if anybody's felt that um, in their life, but it's one of the absolute worst worst feelings. So his hometown is offended by him. He's too simple, too ordinary. Don't they already know him? He's not remarkable. This can't be, this can't be true. He must be speaking blasphemy. So if you're thinking, what did he say? You know, that they were like blasphemy, you know, you can find that in Luke chapter four, and we'll have that up here, verses 18 through 21. Um, He reads a passage from Isaiah, from the scroll. They have him read it in the synagogue. And he only reads the first part. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set, the, set free the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him because he's supposed to read on about the day of the Lord and stuff, but he doesn't. And then he says, today you, today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. So he's saying, it's me. You know, it's about me. I'm here right now. This scripture is fulfilled today, which they're like, wait a second. <laughs> today? That's crazy. What are you saying? So then they decide, you know, since he's blaspheming and he doesn't take it back, they Take him to the edge of town, the cliff, right? And you see that in Luke 4:29 through 30. They got up, they drove him out of town and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town is built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. So I don't know if you've ever, like, noticed that part of the story. I think it took me a really long time. And actually, I think it took me watching The Chosen. I don't know if anybody has watched The Chosen. Um, but be- especially because all the kids are in here today, I made some video clips of that. So please, you can look at that. It's free on their app, the Angel app. This is uh, Season 3, Episode 2, Physician Heal Yourself. And this is a little picture of watching Jesus pass by them all. So keep that, keep that in your mind no need to escalate this to the authorities do you stand by all that you said I think I was pretty clear your father may rest in peace was a righteous man your mother is a good woman you take no pleasure in the shame you are bringing to their name nor the grief this will bring upon Mary But as from the law of Moses, whose life and words you have spat upon today, your sentence is death. It's, a, it's an incredibly powerful scene. It's, a, it's incredibly moving to me to watch, especially as he calls them by name at the end um, because it's people that he knows. Um, and yeah, you just have to watch it because there's lots more storylines woven in and you get to see all of the beauty of that, um, you know, and the tragedy of them not, not recognizing him. Um, it makes me think of you know, the question, is being a Christian too easy? Is, is it too ordinary? Is it too simple for us to come to Jesus? You know, shouldn't it be harder? You know, couldn't we like do something to make ourselves more acceptable? Um, and I know we just finished studying Elisha, and there's so many references we get to jump back and look at today. So the first one that even Jesus brings up is the story of Naaman from 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 13, where he's, he's wanting healing. And he brings his whole entourage to come and ask Elisha for healing. And then Elisha doesn't even come out. You know, he just sends his servant out to meet him. And he's like, just go wash, you know, go wash and, uh, and you'll be, you'll be healed. And he's insulted because he's like, how dare you? You didn't even come out. That's insult. You know, I'm kind of like an important person. You should have come and like greeted me yourself. or you too busy for me? You know? Um, so he, he sends out his servant and tells him to go wash and the, uh, He gets mad, and he's going to leave. It's like, forget this. This is silly. I'm not doing this, right? It's too humble. It's too simple. It's too ordinary, and it insults him. Um, You could say offends him. Uh, But his servants approach him and say, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he only tells you, wash and be clean? right. So it makes me ask the question, are we offended by Jesus? You know, is he too? Does he ask too, too big or too little of us? Are we? Is it? Is it too much, uh, too much for us to give up our own autonomy, right? Um, control over our own life. Do we judge others by how ordinary or unremarkable they are as Christians? I think it's really interesting that. Uh, Really, Christians should be the ones who recognize their own moral failure and need for a Savior because, Jesus says in Mark 2, which we studied a few weeks ago, um, it's not those who are uh, righteous, right? Not those who are healthy, but those who are sick that need a doctor. I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So really, the people that recognize Jesus as the one that they need, right? You have to recognize that you're you're not enough without him. You're not all that you need. Right? So if we accept our own moral bankruptcy but have more difficulty giving up our uh, self-autonomy, sometimes that, that really offends us.? Okay? All right, well let's go on. we're going to move on to our second story of the day, which is about Jesus sending out the 12. Okay, so if you'll look at verse seven in Mark chapter six, It says, He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. He said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. So I love that Jesus says, take nothing with you, because I would not like that. I would want to pack and be prepared and have like some, you know, bulleted lists so that I could move out in confidence, some confidence of my own. But he says, go out, take nothing, teach, heal, and cast out demons, Shake the dust off your feet if they won't have you. The Lord will provide for you, right? Don't be afraid to fail or be rejected because the Lord's calling you to that. You know, some people will reject you. I have to have paper, you guys. Kind of old school. Um, my other thought is, how successful were they? You know, like how often did they have to actually shake the dust off their feet? When were they kicked out? You know, um, we know that they follow Jesus' instructions, and Mark tells us that they drove out many demons and anointed many who were healed. So we know they were successful. And uh, Jesus asks them to do impossible things, okay? He asks us to do impossible things too, but he gives them his power, and the Lord can do all the things that he asks us to do. He works miracles through his disciples. But it doesn't really make it any less of a shock, you know, (laughs) that it actually happens. Um, I think their faithful obedience um, and the incredible wonder of seeing miracles occur before their eyes, you know, doesn't diminish the impossibility of it, for all of it to occur without the Lord's power. Um, I don't know about you. I have prayed for people to be healed and they have been healed, but not like right before my eyes, you know, and I've prayed for people to be healed and they haven't been healed so, you know, I, I, really can't, I really can't imagine what it would have been like to go out and anoint people with oil and see them healed right before my eyes. I think that that's just, just incredible. And it's another clip that I want to show you from The Chosen. So kids, get ready. Um, this is from Season 3, Episode 4, called Clean Part 1. So just watch. Watch how ordinary they are. This is their little promo, in case you haven't seen their logo and all that. We'll give them... Give them that little second. Yeah. So you can see just the look of shock, you know, and, uh, and surprise and kind of disbelief also, you know, kind of astonishment. Um, I think that would definitely be me. You know, if somebody, uh, was healed right before my eyes, I, I think it's incredible that the Lord lets them do it, um, sends them out and gives them the authority to do it. And then they can. So, um, if you need, you know, just a chance to watch that happen, there's like eight or nine minutes of that in that episode, which is just, it just makes me cry. (laughs) Because seeing people freed from, you know, from sickness or pain or suffering, you know, is just so incredibly powerful. So if you're having trouble not, you know, if you're not connecting emotionally with some of these stories about Jesus, I think, you know, some of these types of artistic representations really help because... Sometimes we think too much about it. We want to understand it all, or at least I do. I don't know about you guys, but I like to study it and like understand all the sides and how it all fits together and the beautiful, intricate nature of the Bible. I just—it's more complicated and incredible than we could ever really grasp. But I like to try. And <laughs> um, but it—it it sometimes leaves you emotionally not connecting because you're just worried about understanding it. So, um, so if you need help doing that. That show is really great for that. Um, I have a question for you. How do we respond when the Lord asks us to do the impossible or if he asks us to go out unprepared to do the work that he has for us to do? Um, One of my favorite prayers is from Ephesians 2.10 that says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And so I like to pray that the Lord would make my hands strong and capable to do the work Um, because if he's put it there for me to do, he will enable me to do it, right? And he will enable you too. So we don't have to be afraid of being completely ordinary or unprepared (laughs) or small or simple um, because the Lord can take what we have and make it into so much more, um, yeah, and complete works that we can't do on our own. Okay, so now let's read about John the Baptist. We're moving on to section or verse 14. Just call it section three. This one's pretty interesting. King Herod heard about it, and he's talking about all the 12 disciples going out and healing people and casting out demons and all that uh, work that they're doing. He heard about it because Jesus' name had become well known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he's Elijah. Still others said, he's a prophet, like one of the prophets from long ago. When Herod heard of it, he said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had given the orders to arrest John and chain him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias held a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not, because Herod feared John and protected him. Knowing he was a righteous and holy man, when Herod heard uh, when Herod heard him, he would be very perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. I'm going to read that one one more time when Herod heard him, he would be very perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. Okay, so the story goes on that uh, it's Herod's birthday, and he has a banquet. And Herodias' daughter goes and dances. And then Herod says, I'll give you anything you want. So she asks her mother, what should I ask for? And Herodias says, the head of John the Baptist, um, on a platter. So because Herod's more worried about his reputation and saving face and not looking silly in front of his dinner guests, he does it. He orders his death and beheads John the Baptist and gives his head to Herodias' daughter, um, and you can see in verse 29, it says, John's disciples come and remove his corpse and place it in a tomb. So um, this story always just made me kind of, you know, it's one of those sad stories, uh, especially because this is Jesus' cousin. I don't know if you remember that John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. So he, you know, his cousin is brutally murdered um, for saying something true, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> and that's hard. That's emotionally hard. To especially if you think about what Jesus is doing. He's going around preaching and teaching, healing people, all this emotional energy, people are coming to him for healing, and he's grieving in the middle of all of that. So, one of the sermons I listened to when I was getting ready for this uh, was Tim Keller, and he had the most amazing point, and I loved it. He said, Herod liked to listen to John the Baptist. But he never took advantage of the opportunity he had to repent and believe. Right? He kept him in, in the prison in his basement. <laughs> and he'd take him out, bring him up, and let him talk to him, you know, because he liked to listen to him, but, and he was perplexed by it. But yet he never took his moment, his opportunity, and he had it. He had so many. Who knows how many he had? Um, so it's sad. It, it, makes me, it makes me think, you know, do we like to listen but fail to act when the Lord is speaking to our hearts. So I, I would like to encourage us with Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. So if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So Jesus loses his cousin. He's grieving this loss. His disciples return from their journey. And then they can't even, like, eat or do anything because there's so many people coming to them asking for healing, um, asking for things. So they decide, right, let's leave. We're going to head out to a lonely place and, you know, and have a chance to rest. You know, we're tired. We've been working hard. Um, Okay. So we're going to start again in verse 30 um, and go through 44 of Mark 6. This is the feeding of the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught he said to them come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while for many people were coming and going and they didn't they did not even have time to eat so they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place but many saw them leaving and recognized them they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them when he went to shore he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, "'This place is deserted, and it is already late. "'Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages "'to buy themselves something to eat.' "'You give them something to eat,' he responded. "'They said to him, "'Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat?' "'He asked them, "'How many loaves do you have? "'Go and see.' When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up the twelve baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were five thousand men. Okay, so this is one of the most famous miracles um, about Jesus. It's in all four Gospels. Um, it's the only miracle of Jesus in all four Gospels, which is pretty cool. Um, but really, it's about Jesus using our inadequate resources to accomplish what he wants to do. He could have made food appear out of thin air. you know. I. It's funny to think about what he could have done. He could have satisfied their need without doing anything. Just been like, you are all full now. You know? No one is hungry anymore. Um, if I had thought of it earlier, I would have done the Jedi thing. You are no longer hungry. You know? um, <laughs> but yeah, he can solve our basic needs in creative and miraculous ways, but what does he choose to do? He chooses to ask us <laughs> to do the impossible. You feed them right? like they could do it, you know? which they can't, and they know that. Knowing fully well he can and will do it. Right? The disciples offer reasonable solutions to their problem, which I really appreciate, because that would also be me. I would be saying, there's too many. I don't have enough. I mean, what's the most effective way to feed all these people? Assembly, you know, buffet? You know, should we line them? <laughs> how can we do this well, you know? Um, I don't know if you've ever thrown a birthday party or you know had a bunch of people at your house, but you're like, what do I do? Where do I put the food? You know, like, how do we, do we have enough drinks? You know, anyway, it's, It can be overwhelming to try to provide for people and organize and um, be prepared, but Jesus doesn't ask us to do any of that. Um, The disciples' response is so much like mine. We don't have enough, Lord. I only have this much, and it would cost me more than I have to give you what you want me to do. How often does God work miracles in our lives and situations that have perfectly ordinary solutions? Jesus had just sent them out to heal people of sickness and disease and cast out demons, and they're still already back to thinking, how are we going to do that? (laughs) I can't do that. What do you mean? Um, It it is refreshing. I feel like I have the same spiritual amnesia sometimes. I forget what the Lord has done and how much he can do. Um, I have another video clip for you guys. Kids, you ready? Uh, This is from Chosen Season 3, Episode 8. Called sustenance, and we get to watch Jesus do this miracle here. He's already blessed yeah. it. It's better than the tail. That's the last of it. Yeah, that's the last of it. <sighs> All right, Marcus, you can have your basket back. Time giving you spiritual food. Mm -hmm. But you clearly need actual food now. So let's eat! To wait for that smile at the end. I love it. <laughs> uh, I lo- Again, you see the shock and surprise on their faces, and just how they're really not sure what Jesus is going to do. They're just like, okay, you said to take a basket, and I guess I'll do it, even though that makes no sense to me. Um, I feel like that happens so often uh, that we have to really step out in faith before we get to see the miracle happen. So, Another really cool thing that I think uh, in this passage is that Jesus sees the people as sheep without a shepherd. And that is actually an Old Testament reference to Numbers 27. Well, there's a bunch of times where sheep without a shepherd is in the Old Testament. But this is Moses asking the Lord to give the uh, people a leader, the Israelites a leader, right before he dies. He is you know, told, you're going to be gathered to your father's. And so this is him asking the Lord. It says, so the Lord appealed to, I'm sorry, so Moses appealed to the Lord. May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all, appoint a man over the community who will go out before them and come back in before them and who will bring them out and bring them in so that the Lord's community won't be like sheep without a shepherd. So um, we see in the book of John, he actually says the people at that same time at the feeding of the 5,000, they want to make Jesus king. They're like, this is great. You should just come on and be our king, deliver us from the Roman oppression, and, you know, you can be our new Moses, our new Joshua, you know, and deliver us and give us bread from, you know, and all of that. And Jesus is, you know, he knows. He knows the people want to make him king. um, But, he wants them to know that he is, he is the bread of life, right? This miracle is actually more about uh, the kingdom of God and feeding them um, the bread of life. And we'll see, we'll see him talk about that a little bit more after he walks on the water. He brings it back up. So we're going to move on to Jesus walking on the water, verse 45 in Mark 6. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. So he's not there. "'to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. "'After he said goodbye to them, "'he went away to the mountain to pray. "'Well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, "'and he was alone on the land. "'He saw them straining at the oars "'because the wind was against them. "'Very early in the morning, "'he came toward them walking on the sea "'and wanted to pass them by. "'When they saw him walking on the sea, "'they thought it was a ghost and cried out, "'because they all saw him and were terrified.' Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were completely astonished because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. Okay. So it it makes me think, man, in Mark 4, they at least had Jesus asleep in the boat during the storm, you know, and they were still scared and thought they were going to die. Don't you care if we die? Um, but so this time they're in the storm without Jesus sleeping in the boat. And I would have been thinking, why did he have to stay on the shore? Um, this is also the story of Peter walking on the water uh, that we see in Matthew. So if you're thinking, he says, it is I, don't be afraid. Isn't that from the Old Testament too? Yep. That is from Exodus chapter 3, Verse 14 a reference to the name of the Lord that um, Moses gets from the burning bush. So we see that God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So when Jesus is using those words, um, he's telling them, I am I am the Lord. I am God. I am the I am. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I have one more clip for you guys. You guys ready for it? Yeah? yeah? You want to see Jesus walk on the water? This is also Season 3, Episode 8, Sustenance. the second most incredible thing I've seen today! This surprises you? Did you learn nothing from today? If it is you, command me to come to you on the water! Simon, no! Are you out of your mind? If you are who you say you are, bid me to step out of this boat! You have the faith to walk on this water? Absolutely! You can do whatever you command, and if you command the world to hold me, I will walk on you. If I call you to me, you will step out in faith? Yes! Then why are you upset? Why are you chasing after Gentiles when your own people have problems right here? When your own person has problems? I've been right here in front of you, believing in you, but you're breaking up fights in the Decapolis? Come to me, you weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Simon, no, Simon, don't be foolish, Simon, 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 hey, Simon, don't. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to tune in and watch the rest of it. I know, I know. It was way too long. It was too long. I couldn't put it all the way up there. Um, anyway, I, I do love how they, they make that storyline make a little bit more sense, at least to me, with this story, backstory about um, Simon Peter and why, why his faith is being grown at that moment, why he would be mad at Jesus. So I, I think it's really relatable, um, and that's why I think it's so powerful in so many ways. So, yeah, check that out. Um, but we see, we see Jesus go out to them on the water, and that fulfills um, Job chapter 9. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Okay. And then we also see that he intended to pass by them, which is from Job chapter 11. Um, but they recognized him, they see him, and he calls out to them, Although at the beginning of Mark six they don't, he walks right by him and they don't they don't recognize him. Job eleven says, "If he passed by me, I wouldn't see him, and if he went by, I wouldn't recognize him." It's talking about the Lord. So they missed it. They missed their chance to see the Lord go by. Um, and again, since we just finished studying Elijah, it makes me think of First Kings chapter nineteen and the story of Elijah and the rock after you know, he calls down fire from heaven and it burns up the altars. Then he gets scared and runs away into the wilderness. And he's like, I'm ready to die. (laughs) Go ahead. Let me, let me die. I want this to be over now. And, uh, the Lord says, come on out. And he lets him, he lets, he hides him in the rock and he passes by him. And it says that, um, It says, At that moment the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Okay, so why didn't the disciples understand about the loaves? They didn't know that Jesus is the true bread, that that's what they really needed. Right? They didn't. They weren't putting their trust completely in Him for everything all the time. And just like us, we forget. We forget how much He's done and all the things that He's taken us through, all the ways He's provided for us. And just look the, at the impossible task ahead, or the impossible situation or how unprepared we are, or how ordinary, or how inadequate we might feel about doing a job he's asked us to do. But he always meets us. He meets us. So let's read the very last couple of verses of chapter 6, because they're amazing. (laughs) It says... When they had crossed over, they came to the shore at Gennesaret and, uh, and anchored there. They got out of the boat. People immediately recognized him. They hurried through that region, and began to carry the sick on mats wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, the countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might just touch the end of his robe. And everyone who touched it was healed. Lord, I I just pray that we would not be offended by you. I pray you'd give give us courage to do impossible things. Would you move our hearts by listening to the words that you've put in the Bible about yourself? that we would get to know you better, that we would see your compassion and your love and how selflessly you pour yourself out for everyone. Lord, help us not to just like hearing what you say. Help us to choose to repent. And Lord, don't let us miss you when you go by. we'd be able to see you. Thank you for all the stories that you put in this chapter and how full and crazy it was to go through all in one day. But Lord, I just pray you would knit it together for us in our hearts. Would you make it make sense? Would you help us see how connected all the pieces are? Lord, would you grow our faith, give us more, Your blessed holy name, amen. See yeah.